It's time for Dodger baseball. The sports department at WFUV and the history behind it are a story largely untold. That is, until now. The voices that have shaped the student-run station for the last seven decades dive into their time at Rose Hill. This is the Off the Air Podcast, the legacy of WFUV Sports. It's episode 18 of the Off the Air Podcast. Emmanuel Burberry joined by Jackson Heil. And Jackson, excited for the chance to catch up with DJ Sixsmith this week. Certainly are. And Eman, a guy who recently graduated too, a guy who's already doing a lot in the industry. Um, it's really cool just to see like the different variety of people that we've been able to get on this podcast. I mean, we go from a guy in Malcolm Moran, who is the creator of One on One, now to a guy who was an integral part on one-on-one when he was here. So it was just cool to see the line of, or so-called lineage that has happened at FUV and DJ, obviously a big part of that. And awesome to bring everything full circle, as you were mentioning, someone like Malcolm paved way for someone like DJ to come to Fordham and FUV, get the opportunities he had, and then ultimately graduate and already doing big things. Certainly is. And like you mentioned, he is doing big things already. I mean, works for CBS, does great stuff there does play-by-play for stadium as well. And I'm really interested to hear just the adjustments that he's had to make during this crazy work setting, obviously with COVID-19 and everything that has happened. So really excited to catch up with him and really excited just to see the strides and also the adjustments that he's had to make. Absolutely. DJ has been doing some great stuff lately, a lot of digital stuff from home. So as you hear a little bit more of his background from Nick DeLuca, keep in mind a lot has changed over the last few months. This week on Off the Air, DJ Sixsmith. A 2015 Fordham graduate, DJ served as a play-by-play broadcaster for numerous Rams athletic programs, including basketball, football, and baseball, while also hosting WFUV's one-on-one. After graduating, Sixsmith joined ESPN Radio as an update anchor and studio host for Baseball Tonight and Football Sunday. DJ also worked as a play-by-play announcer for the Big East and Stadium, lending his voice to the coverage of Big East volleyball, softball, and women's basketball, as well as Patriot League soccer, basketball, and track. Currently, Sixsmith is a social media manager and host with CBS in New York. Here's the Off the Air podcast with DJ Sixsmith. DJ, thanks for being here. What's happening? How you guys doing? Pretty good. Fire it right back at you. How are you doing? These last few months have been crazy. How's it affected you, your life, your job? How's everything? Yeah, thankfully, I still have work and it's been a crazy time. My wife and I just got a puppy. So that's the uh, the big news on this front. So a little a little light of hope here with everything going on. How about you guys? How are you holding up with everything? Pretty doing good. great, man. We're trying, trying to move along. Obviously, it's been crazy times. But let's go back to March. You obviously find out that everyone needs to go into quarantine. The world kind of stops. What's your reaction when 
essentially everything in the sporting world just comes to a complete halt. I was really stunned. I mean, I can remember working in New York City, you know, right in the middle of March and my last day in the office timed up with the NBA shutting down and the Utah Jazz game in Oklahoma City. And then the president of the United States is making remarks from the White House. And it was just I, I, in real time, I had no idea that this was going to be the world that was to come because there had been talks of coronavirus and especially in New York City, too, for my job at CBS. Like we had people coming into the studio for interviews and they're talking about this. They're talking about flying from California. We had Stefan Marbury, who came from China, where China had just had the start of COVID-19. So we had a little bit of an idea, but guys, honestly, I, I couldn't imagine everything shutting down and then college football coming back. And it's just been wild and wacky. And I think, as, as you all know, just the ability to adapt and adjust as sports get shut down, sports get shut down is uh, really an important thing. You mentioned a key word there, adapt, and you referenced your job at CBS Local doing digital and social content. How's that changed and how have you had to adapt during this time? Well, it's been a lot more hard news. I mean, it's, it's really understanding what is going on with COVID-19 and especially this summer with the death of George Floyd and the racial injustice conversation. That was a whole separate conversation that I hadn't really dove in, you know, really jumped into before. So for me as a social media manager, it's how are we going to present this on social? For me as a content creator, it's who are the people I'm going to talk to or who are the different types of people that we can bring in? Because honestly, it's been a lot of the same voices. So who are some different people with different perspectives? So yeah, it's kind of been a, you know, a fly by the seat of your pants type of situation. And also you just have to learn every single day. So you know, part of my job one day was Governor Cuomo was giving his daily press conferences and I'm, I'm live tweeting that. Another day, it's, it's talking to an actor about what's going on with the conversation about racial injustice. And then the next day could be, you know, talking to somebody like Susan Rice, who used to work in the Obama administration. So as you guys have seen with, with your college days, it's like, got to be able to do play by play, got to produce, got to do updates. Same thing once you get into the workplace that you have to be great at a bunch of different things. You can't just be a one trick pony. You can't just be a one tool player. You have to be a five tool player. And I think the pandemic has really proven that the people that know how to do a lot of different things will end up surviving and, and doing well in this industry. DJ, in addition to that, just specifically in play by play, adaptability is certainly a huge thing now when so many broadcasters are having to do broadcasts off monitors and so many people aren't in stadiums anymore at this point. You work for stadium. You're one of their announcers there. Have you had to make significant adaptations in that field, so to speak, yet? Yeah, so I haven't actually done a play-by-play -play broadcast since everything happened. I was doing some college basketball for Stadium right before the shutdown, and I'm really thankful for that because it was a long journey just to be able to do college hoops for Stadium, and we can definitely get into that. But, yeah, a lot of different announcers are doing games from their living room or doing it off the monitor. And that could really be the future of this thing, too, because as you get in the industry, it's really expensive to put on a production, to have people fly in, stay at hotels. Like everybody's trying to do it on the cheap right now. And so whether it's digital or TV, you have to be able to realize, OK, I have to call a game from a stadium or I've done this a lot in my career. I have to do a game by myself and I have to fill a couple of hours by myself. So it's really being flexible and it's realizing that even from where I was five years ago graduating, the industry is wildly different. And when you all graduate, there's gonna be stuff that doesn't even exist right now. So whether it's play by play or anything else, I think the biggest thing is just your preparation because whether it's a blowout, whether it's a close game, whether you're calling a game in a packed stadium or with nobody, 
you got to bring it every single time and you got to be ready to roll. And this is just another example of that. So let's go down that, that play-by-play route because that's a big part of your background. At what point early on in your life or before college did you decide that play-by-play and sports broadcasting was meant for you? Oh man, I think from a really early age, I wanted to be an announcer. I mean, I could be in, you know, remembering when I was in middle school and then we watched in sports center and uh, I was at these play-by-play broadcasting camps that had just popped up. So that really got everything rolling for me. And then my high school, fortunately had a radio and TV station. And so from freshman year in high school, I'm, I'm getting reps and listen, like it was, it was rough. It, it wasn't good stuff, but those reps really helped me because I was you know, 14, 15, 16, learning how to call a game on radio, learning how to do play-by-play for TV, figuring out how to interview people, all that stuff helped out. And then by the time I got to Fordham, I, you know, it was such an amazing experience working at FUV and especially for play-by-play. I mean, you certainly know in terms of just traveling with the teams and, and calling the games and getting to know the players and the coaches, there's nothing like play-by-play because you're the one that is reacting to the action. And it's not scripted. It's completely off the cuff. And that's my favorite thing about it is that you never know what's going to happen going into a game. And you always have to be prepared for something that you have no idea that's coming. So I think that's my favorite thing about play-by-play. And especially for me, I I love hoops. I'm a big basketball junkie. To be courtside, to see the best players in college basketball and the best players in high school doing the thing has been been really awesome. And then, you know, taking it into a professional career where – you just kind of have to do games wherever they pop up. I mean, when I first started, I was doing games for a hundred bucks a pop. Like I was, I was working part-time at CBS as a radio host, I'm working at six o'clock in the morning. I'm waking up at 4 a.m. I'm driving from Connecticut, get into the studio, do a radio show for a couple hours. And then like on a Friday night, I have a high school football game in New Jersey and I'm, I'm sleeping in my car for a couple hours just to get some rest before the game. Like that's the grind. That's how you start out. But as you continue to build things out, there's opportunities down the road. Let's talk about your time at Fordham. Um, it obviously seems like you went to Fordham for WFUV. Was that an easy decision for you? Was that a sort of no-brainer when you kind of go to Fordham and see the radio station there, or was there a uh, was it a big decision in terms of where you wanted to go pursue for four years? It was definitely a big decision. I mean, looking back on it now, Fordham was the best possible situation. I met my wife there. I had an amazing experience at FEV. But for me, it was Fordham or Syracuse. And the two were really neck and neck. And Newhouse is an amazing program. And my cousin's doing the grad program there right now. And I visited there. I really enjoyed it. I had a friend from high school that was going to Newhouse. But I went and visited FUV. I meet Bob Aarons for the first time. And he's just like, listen, you're going to be a kid in the candy shop here. He's telling me about one-on-one. He's telling me about going into the locker room for the Mets and the Knicks. And he's telling me about play-by-play. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. This is this has got to be a spot for me. And so I still had a tough time making the decision. So in true Bob Aarons fashion, he finds the only person that I know that has gone to both Cuse and to Fordham. And that's Dan Duva, who's, who's doing great work right now in the NHL and, and Duva calls me up and I'm just a senior in high school. He doesn't know me, but he said, listen, I've, I've been at both like Fordham is the place to go. And the fact that Bob, he didn't even have me as a student yet, but he went that extra mile to convince me because I was already dangling on the hook there, but he pushes that one through and there you go. That's, that's the history right there. So yeah, Fordham was definitely the spot for me, but it was definitely an interesting decision, uh, you know, going back and uh, thinking about it now. 
you talked about a really special Bob Aaron's quality, that ability to show you how special the program is, but also introduce you to alumni and emphasize the importance of that as well. What kind of impact did Bob Aaron's have on your time at Fordham? He had a monumental impact on my life at Fordham. And honestly, guys, when I think about Bob now, five years after college, I'm even more appreciative because the thing about Bob was that he challenged us. He, he was tough on us. He didn't let us just slide through with things. I mean, every minute detail he was able to pick out. I mean, I can remember doing volleyball demos and he's, he's pausing the tape deck and saying, why are you saying it like this? Or how are you doing it like this? We were doing a, a baseball game at USC my senior year. And I was talking about the clouds and I said that they're ominous and we go to a commercial break and he's like, are those clouds really ominous DJ? <laughs> like that's the type of attention to detail that Bob Aaron's had. I mean, to the point that we did a A-10 women's basketball championship game at the Barclays Center, Fordham and St. Joe's. St. Joe's beats Fordham that year. And you know, with radio, you have to paint the picture. I would be in Bob's office. It's like, describe the walls. And I'm like, all right, they're green. And he's like, no, you have to describe it as if somebody couldn't see the action. And so Bob, to true form, found a blind man, put him next to us for the radio broadcast. And he said, paint the picture for him. That's who we're trying to paint wow. the picture for. And that was just an amazing lesson because he wanted us to get it as, as well as we could. And that's just the love and attention to detail that he showed. And I talked to him on the phone a couple months ago and I just said, thank you. Thank you for everything because I wouldn't be the media person I am today without you. So just little stories like that go a long way. And that, that's from day one. That's, that's him putting in the extra hours. And I knew from everybody I talked to, I wasn't going to get that somewhere else at a Syracuse or an Ithaca or any other school in the country. There's only one Bob Aarons and especially with the influence of Marty Glickman, as all of you guys know, like it's just, it's truly a one of a kind experience and I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, you've already given us a few good Bob stories uh, and I'm going to ask you for another one, if you don't mind, is there a moment with Bob that stands out, whether it just be like going over a demo, like you said, or we've heard a lot of stories about Bob in the car so far on this podcast. <laughs> Is there one specific moment with Bob that really sticks out in your mind from your time at Fordham? Well, I had my first New York City driving experience with Bob Aarons. That's one I didn't anticipate. <laughs> we went to a uh, Curtis Granderson Foundation event at, uh, at NY, uh, New York Steakhouse, NYKSTK. And the two of us are there and he's like, okay, here you go. And he gives me the keys and I'm like, what do you mean? Like, and he's like, you're, you're driving back to Fordham. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Awesome. Or like, I don't know if anybody else has talked about it, but he put like the steering wheel lock on his car all the time. So we were doing one-on-one. -on -one, he's like, can you bring my car up? I would be trying to, you know, get this thing open. And like, that's just the type of situation it was with him. But I think my favorite Bob story was that senior year, we, we flew out to California and we met Vince Scully and to see Bob Aaron's in front of Vince Scully, because he talked to him on the phone a bunch and emailed him. But to see somebody he admired so much, Bob wanted to be Vin Scully and the fact that he got to meet him and who knows if that was going to happen again, because Vin's obviously older, he wasn't going to come to New York. Like that was a really special moment because I know how much it meant to him and the Fordham baseball team was hyped. I got to interview Vin Scully like that. That's a memory I'll have for life. And so the fact that I got to share that with Bob is, is a really cool experience. You're speaking of some of these special moments going out West, meeting Vin Scully, you were at Fordham during a time where there were a lot of great sports moments as well. The Fordham football team was, was very good. Fordham women's basketball competing for a 10 championships as well. 
Is there a, a pinnacle moment to you from your time at Fordham in terms of a game you were around, a game you called? I mean, my personal favorite game was when my wife, uh, playing for Fordham softball, hit a go-ahead home run against St. Louis in the 2014 A-10 tournament. And I'm doing the game with Anthony Pusick. We had done like the entire tournament, so I'd lost my voice. I had no voice at all doing play-by-play. And we just started dating at the time. And she hits that home run. They go up two to one. They end up winning the championship at Bahoshi Field. Like that will be the best call of my whole entire life. Like that just hits me on a different personal level. So that was amazing. But I mean, I can go through every sport. I mean, Fordham women's basketball, not only winning the A-10 tournament in Richmond against Dayton, but then going to the NCAA tournament and playing at Baylor. So we, we fly to Texas and they're going toe to toe with a, a California team that had made the final four really recently. And Aaron Rooney had a chance to win at the end and the shot gets blocked. So that was an incredible moment. You mentioned Fordham football. Fordham football had one win my freshman year. And then this guy named Joe Moorhead comes in and suddenly they're starting to turn things around six and five. And then they become Patriot League champions. And yeah, I mean, when they beat Bucknell in the Patriot League championship, that was a cool game. The Temple game where they where they upset a uh, team coached by Matt Rule, who's now the Panthers coach. I was on the sideline for that game and I see Sam Ajala make that great catch. So the fact that there were amazing moments like that throughout was really cool. I mean, even, you know, calling Eric Pascal's games for a year when I was a senior and now he's in the NBA. Like it, it, it's really unbelievable. The people that you come into contact with and also just the trips, like the trips are my favorite part. We got to go to San Antonio with the women's basketball team. Coach Gately's son is working for the Spurs at that point. We get, you know, courtside seats, the Spurs game, like who does this stuff? Like it, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And then we're, we're going in locker rooms for, all these iconic moments. I'm watching Rangers playoff games. And uh, I saw LeBron drop 49 when he was on the heat against the Brooklyn Nets, like just unreal. The fact that we got to do this as college kids, it's, it's really special. And my biggest piece of advice is just, just enjoy this because it's a four years unlike any other. And there's some cool stuff to do once you get into the industry, but it's not you doing it with your friends. Like I'm still close with all the FUV people I worked with. We just had a zoom call a couple months ago. Like those are your people for life. And you're going to talk about these ridiculous stories forever. So yeah, those are just a few of the memories right there. Well, that's a perfect transition into what I was going to ask, because obviously you meet so many people at FUV and the people that you meet are your brothers for life, so to speak. Who are the ones that specifically stick out to you? And who are some of those guys on that Zoom call last week that you mentioned that you really consider your friends for life, essentially? I think the really cool thing is that you get to know people from multiple grades. So, you know, just from my class, it's, it's Mike Watts, it's Kenny Ducey, Chris Venezia, and, and Chris Venezia is the one that put that whole Zoom call together. But then it, it's younger people. It's, it's Matt Morrow and Drew Casey that I get to know. Uh, Terrace Lejeski, Kelly Coltis, like there were so many amazing people. And then some of the older people too, Andrew O'Connell, for example, he's somebody that was a senior when I was a freshman, he's working at St. John's in their communications department. And we have a relationship now where, you know, I, I see him as a father now. Like, that, that's an amazing thing. Somebody I met as a freshman in college is now a parent. Like, that's the type of stuff here. And even, you know, people like Jake Kringschweifels and Eric Malo and Chris Marasco. You know, Chris Marasco was somebody I did a lot of games with. I saw him right before the pandemic hit. I went down to Florida. My wife was covering Team USA softball. I meet him and his fiance. So these are people you just keep in touch with. And then you guys mentioned all the alums too. I mean, these alums that I met freshman year of college are people that I still keep in contact with or people that have helped me in my career. Like 
Peter Saccone, for example, is somebody that did a workshop freshman year as an ESPN radio executive. Years later, I send him a demo update that I do, and I get a job at a, a demo update at ESPN radio because of Peter Saccone. Steve Shear at Fox Sports is somebody I send my play-by-play -play links to all the time to get feedback, even for somebody like me who's 27. I'm still trying to grow. I'm still trying to get better. And that's an incredible thing. Or, you know, like I'm in college and Mike Breen is listening to my Fordham women's basketball tape. Like that's, that's the stuff like you're just not getting anywhere else. So whether it's the people you work with, the people you meet, the relationships, they have the ability to last a really long time, but you also have to be intentional about keeping in touch with these people because they're super busy, whether it's the people you work with or the people that are working in the industry, you have to go out of your way and not only keep a professional relationship, but, but keep a personal relationship. You know, like if, if you talk to Michael K, ask him about his kids, like that stuff just separates things. Like my wife and I, who's my girlfriend at the time, we were in the Rose Hill gym just talking with Michael K for like an hour after a Fordham basketball game, just about life. And then he starts to open up and like, that's the stuff that goes beyond just saying, hey, will you critique this? Will you listen to this? Like, you really have the opportunity to develop real lifetime relationships with the people you work with and the alums as well. DJ, in terms of um, other memories at FUV, obviously everyone, I feel like a lot of people have that one road trip that they remember. You mentioned a ton of them uh, moments ago. Is there one specific like road trip with, with the guys that really stands out from your time at Fordham? I think it'd be really hard to pick one. I'll mention a few others I haven't talked about. We went to San Francisco for a uh, women's basketball trip over Thanksgiving. So just away from sports and broadcasting, we got to see the full house house, the, the house where they actually did the show, which was pretty cool. Um, we were at the University of San Francisco where Bill Russell was an alum, Pete Rozelle, like we just got to see the statues. But the best part of that was that me and Watts got to play in scrimmage against Fordham women's basketball. And that was a trip because I'm thinking to myself, all right, like I played hoops, like let's give it a shot. Those women are at a whole different level. And I remember uh, I'm playing defense, you know, cause coach Gately was scout team, like they're men playing against women. That's why they're such a great program. I thought I was going to get real sneaky. I poked the ball away from Sam Clark. I start going the other way. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get me a layup and Abigail Corning just running all the way back, completely alters my shot. And I, I just, I brick the layup and I'm like, okay, this is, this is a whole different beast. So like the opportunity to do that, or we did a football game at the university of Cincinnati, Bearcats are a top 25 team, uh, real time, big time college football atmosphere. That was really cool. And then one underrated one was um, me, Chris Morasco, Mike Valpatero. We went to Washington DC. We got to, you know, hang out in the nation's capital, but we also got to go see the around the horn set with Tony Reale when he was still doing the show in DC. So for me, having watched him for such a long time, like that was an unbelievable situation. So little moments like that have been just awesome. And again, like this is years down the road, but still thinking about them fondly. I think that's really cool. You wrapped up your college career in 2015. You're the 2015 recipient of the Marty Glickman Award. What did that honor mean to you? It was an incredible honor. I mean, I had, you know, asked Bob about Marty a whole bunch and Marty's book used to be in Bob's office, The Fastest Kid on the Block, because Marty Glickman was this incredible announcer doing football and basketball. He helped start HBO, but also he was a world-class track athlete and should have had his Olympic moment. But because of Hitler, he's Jewish. He doesn't get to have that moment. Jesse Owens steps in in his place and Jesse Owens has an incredible moment. So I feel that more of an impact even now, given all the conversations about social injustice. So 
just from that standpoint, it's, it's an honor to be associated with somebody like that. And then from a play-by-play -play perspective, I mean, everybody knows here just the names on that list. I mean, some of the best that have come through Fordham and the fact that I got to be a part of that was really cool. And to be honored at the Black F Awards with all the athletes and you know, my wife is there, who was my girlfriend at the time, I get to share it with her. Like, that's something that I'll, I'll always remember. So definitely a cool honor, no question. DJ, obviously it's a really weird situation for incoming freshmen to come into college at this point and try to get started. Um, I, I want to ask, what would your advice be to, whether it's just freshman hour, people, kids in the future who are taking through going to Fordham and making their first few days at FUV, what would be your advice to them as they try to go on this four-year journey? My advice would be to do a little bit of everything. I think when I was in college, I was so focused on play-by-play -play and on air. That was the only thing that I was thinking about. Sports were the only thing I was thinking about. If I could go back, I would try and broaden my horizons a little bit more because you need to know how to produce. You need to know how to edit video. You need to know how to create social media graphics. Like that, those are things that I wasn't focused on. So from day one at Fordham, you should, you know, figure out the digital space. Just try some things, fail a little bit. That's a good thing. And then of course, hone your craft. You know, do as many practice broadcasts as you can, or just get in front of a camera and try doing a stand-up. Like all those things really matter. And then also think about things outside of sports. You know, take some classes that aren't com communications related or journalism related. Fordham has so many great classes. Like I took a class, uh, History of Drugs in America, and I was able to write a piece of paper about Bias, who's a famous college basketball player in Maryland, gets picked up Celtics, dies of a cocaine overdose the night of the NBA draft. And I was able to weave that into how America really formulated its whole drug policy. So like those are the opportunities at Fordham that are incredible. So the industry is going to be there. Like I was so excited just to get going and get working in the professional industry. But like I said before, just take the time, enjoy it because as I've talked about, it can be a really wild and wacky roller coaster outside of the walls of Fordham. So just enjoy the time as long as you have it. DJ, great insight, great reflections. Appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us today. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Awesome catching up with DJ Sixsmith here on the Off the Air podcast. And we can't go on a recap here, Jackson, without mentioning a blind person being put next to him courtside as he was calling a Fordham women's basketball game. We hear from Bob all the time that you should consider a radio broadcast like describing to a blind person. But the fact that one was actually there is remarkable and it speaks to the guy that Bob Aarons is. Oh man, if that's not the most Bob story that I've ever <laughs> yeah. heard, I don't know what it is. And it might be my favorite one on this podcast so far, to be honest, because when he first said that, I honestly thought he was joking. And then I realized, oh, he's completely serious about this. And when you think about it, I mean, this is exactly the type of thing that Bob would do and exactly the type of thing that Bob would tell us too. But um, just some great insight from DJ, as always, on everything involving um, what he's doing and his time at FUV. But the, the reason we do this podcast is for stories like that. And that's one of the best we've heard so far. And we've heard a lot about Bob Aaron's stories on this podcast. And some of them are more familiar some of them are more similar but I think when you hear something about whether it be a blind person next to two college radio broadcasters or chasing down someone like Vince Scully and getting to meet someone who's his idol for the first time it kind of brings you into the picture and helps you understand 
why Bob was able to achieve what he did at FUV. I mean, where are you finding something like that at any other place or school for that matter? It doesn't even, and I'm not even including schools. Like where are you finding that in any other place in general? Um, You're not. And that just goes you to show you the guy that Bob Aarons was the mentor and just the, the man in general. Um, He's one of the best guys that I've ever met. Um, I'm certain that remains for you as well. And it's just crazy to see that everyone has a story like that. And everyone has that little thing about Bob that you'll never forget, whether it's the first time you met him, first time you drove with him, first time you've been in a setting like that with him where he's literally bringing a blind man next to you during a radio broadcast. I mean, that's just Bob for you. And um, I can't wait to hear more stories like that because let's be honest, that's probably one of many that we are going to hear going forward. If you want to hear more stories like that, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can check out every episode on WFUVsports.org, wherever you get your shows. Follow us on Twitter at WFUVsports. For this edition of the Off the Air Podcast and Jackson Heil, Emmanuel Bavari, we'll catch you next time.